today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. If it were possible, and I want you to think this through with me, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of this complex text before us. If it were possible to lose our salvation, then the inference is that we've got to do something to keep it. Does that sound like grace to you? Sounds like works to me. And also, Jesus would have more accurately said, it is finished if you can hang on to it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. We have control over many things in our life, but certainly not everything. Pastor J.D. reminds us today that one thing you do have control of is your salvation, because it's by your faith that you're saved. Your works have nothing to do with it. If you have faith and trust in God, then His grace will cover you until the end. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Hebrews chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Today's text is going to be Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, beginning in verse 1, where the writer of Hebrews, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death, and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, verse 2, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible, verse 4, for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God, and the powers of the coming age, and verse 6, who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. Oh dear. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again, and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Did you get that? Should we just... Self-explanatory, right? We're just close in prayer and fellowship, no? We better pray, yeah? Father in heaven, we readily admit and are keenly aware that the text we have before us today is such that it's going to require the Holy Spirit to give us understanding, to open the eyes of our understanding. Otherwise, we have no hope of getting this, and seeing what it is that you want to show to us, or hear and receive 
that which you desire today to speak to us. So Lord, we're going to ask you at this time, as only you can, by the Holy Spirit to settle our hearts and enable us to focus our attention so that you can minister to us and speak into our lives in and through your word. Lord, we ask you for this and thank you in advance for what you're going to do in our time together today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. So I want to talk with you today about the paramount importance of moving forward in our Christian lives despite how fearful the future may be. And if you're anything like me, and I suspect that many of you are, it's not looking too good. Uh, The future does look very bleak and riddled with uncertainty, and doubtless many are fearful. We talked about that in the prophecy update. But before we jump in, it's incumbent upon me to tell you that the text before us today, that which we just read, is amongst the most controversial passages in all of Scripture. One commentator has suggested that this is actually Satan's favorite passage of Scripture. I bet you didn't know that Satan had a favorite passage of Scripture. Why? Because of how much confusion and division, I'll add even accusation, has come as a result of the misinterpretation of this very passage before us today. We know to be true about the enemy that he is the author of confusion. That's why he loves this verse. He's the father of lies, which is why he loves this passage. And he's the accuser of the brethren, which is also why he loves this passage. See, it deals with our salvation specifically one doubting one's salvation. And I don't know if it's possible to overstate just how important a correct understanding of this passage is, especially in this day in which we are living. Because make no mistake about it, the enemy is right there, right now, to plant seeds of doubt about your salvation. I want to assure you on the authority of God's infallible Word, if you are saved and born again of the Spirit of God, you cannot lose your salvation. Let me say that again. It is impossible to lose your salvation. If it were possible, and this is a hypothetical, borderline, blasphemous way to illustrate it, but if it were possible for us to lose our salvation once we're saved, then Jesus on the cross 
when he said, it is finished, lied. It's even hard saying that, let alone grasping that. No, it's finished. What's finished? The work. What work? The work of redemption, paying in full for the salvation of mankind whom God so loves that He gave His only begotten Son to die for us instead of us, that whosoever among us would believe, believe, would not perish in hell for all eternity, but will be saved in heaven for all eternity. That's the good news. See, if it were possible, and I want you to think this through with me, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of this complex text before us. If it were possible to lose our salvation, then the inference is that we've got to do something to keep it. Does that sound like grace to you? Sounds like works to me. And also, Jesus would have more accurately said, it is finished if you can hang on to it. It is finished. However, there is a possibility that you could lose your salvation. No. If you're saved, you're saved. You cannot lose your salvation. Now, why is this so important? Because think about this. If the enemy can get you to start doubting whether or not you're saved or not, he's got you. Then everything else, especially now with everything happening in the world, is viewed through that tentative lens and the insecurity of it. And the product of it, and I use that word specifically because that's exactly what it is. Because now there has to be a product. You have to produce. You have to work. You have to do something. You have to bring something to the table of salvation. I don't know how it's possible. I just, one more thing and we'll move forward here, which is the title of the teaching. (laughs) I don't know how... Well, let me say it like this. I I feel very sorry for any Christian who hasn't settled this in their hearts and minds. Because your Christian life is going to be miserable. Especially when life hits, and life hits, and life's hitting right now. And adversity strikes. And if there's even just a little bit of doubt, man, Satan's going to exploit that. And all of a sudden now, your whole Christian life is going to be all about striving, working, trying, instead of trusting. Please know that I will do my absolute best with the help of the Holy Spirit to explain teach and apply this passage as simply as I possibly can. Sadly, and I'll add unnecessarily, this text has been complicated by many a Bible teacher, and as such has caused this aforementioned confusion and division 
within the body of Christ, specifically concerning this matter of how born-again Christians cannot lose their salvation, a.k.a. once saved, always saved. If you're saved, you're saved. You're saved. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to share with you two exhortations, warnings if you prefer, with the hopes that they will make this text make sense. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, I'll I'll be honest with you and tell you that I approach this teaching with fear and trepidation and intimidation even. I'm like, Lord, really? (laughs) I remember the first time as a young Christian reading this, I'm like, no, it's impossible for me to ever come back. If I backslide, I lose my salvation. No. (laughs) Holy Spirit's like, yeah, no, that's not true. It isn't? No. That's not what he's talking about. I mean, I can't lose my salvation? No. You cannot lose your salvation. Now, it's important to understand the context in which this letter is written and to whom this letter is written. I know, I hope you don't tire of me saying this every week, but it is so important to understand that it was written to these Christian Jews, these Hebrew Christians who had come to a saving knowledge of Christ that were being tempted and pressured to go back to Judaism. You have to understand that it was written before the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. If you can just kind of picture in your mind's eye, these Hebrew Christians, they're saved, they're in Christ, and their friends are going to the temple. And they have the high priest one day a year, Yom Kippur. They have the priests that are doing the rituals and the service there in the temple. And they're pressuring them, perhaps maybe even one of their employers, if they still had their job. A lot of these Christians lost everything when they came to Christ. I mean, they lost family. They were dead to them. Certainly if they kept their jobs, I'm sure their employers made it They mandated the thing. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. (laughs) It was a requirement. So they were under tremendous pressure to go back to Judaism. And some of them caved, and they did. And the writer of Hebrews is addressing this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And brilliantly, and when I say brilliantly, I'm not talking about the brilliance of man. I'm talking about supernatural brilliance that comes from the Holy Spirit. And what he's telling these Hebrew Christians that are tempted and pressured to go back to Judaism is, if you do, you're still saved, but if you do, you will forfeit certain things. You will lose, not your salvation, but it will be to your loss if you do. And that's what this passage is all about. What's the first thing they're going to lose and forfeit? Spiritual maturity. This kind of dovetails off of chapter 5, where the writer of Hebrews is 
lovingly admonishing them, even rebuking them. I know sometimes rebuke can be a strong word. We certainly don't like to be on the receiving end of a rebuke. But in a sense, he's saying to them, you really should be teachers by now. Now, that's important. Why? Because the writer of Hebrews would not say that if they weren't saved. Did you catch that? Let me try to say the same thing in a different way. He's writing to them as saved Christians. I mean, if you think about it, how would you admonish or warn somebody concerning their spiritual maturity if they're not spiritual to begin with? Okay, you're, you're born again, now you need to grow up in the Lord. He would not say to somebody who's never been born again, you need to mature. Well, you need to be born first. Tell me that made sense, because I, <laughs> that was not in my notes. It makes sense, right? He's talking to them as born again Christians. Otherwise, it would just be nonsensical to start rebuking them and exhorting them to grow up. (laughs) You need to grow up, man. You're so immature. He would never say that to them if they weren't born again in the first place. Spiritual maturity is not even on the table. It's not even a discussion. It's moot. So he's talking to saved Christians. And he's saying, guys, if you go back to Judaism, I know you're under tremendous pressure to go back to Judaism. If you do, you're going backwards, not forwards. You know what's going to cost you? It's going to cost you growth, spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. That's what you're forfeiting. If you don't move beyond these elementary teachings, you're forfeiting that. That's what it's going to cost you. It's interesting that he lists six foundational principles. By the way, uh, I'll let you do this in your own time in God's Word, but one of the fundamental foundational principles is Bible prophecy. Don't tell anybody. It's in the list. I'll let you find it. It's your homework. You'll be testing on it next week. Foundational principles that every Christian should understand in order to grow in their faith. You know how it is, and I I hope this doesn't come off wrong. Uh, I'll do my best. Lord, you'll help me, right, with the Holy Spirit. You know how some people, yeah, they get saved, they're born again, they're going to go up in the rapture, they're going to be in heaven for all eternity, but they got saved like 20 years ago, and they're not mature Christians. They're immature Christians. I mean, just even, it would be a full court press just to have an intelligible conversation with them about the basics, the fundamentals of the faith. They're saved. They just never grew. And that's sad. And that's, again, in chapter 5, we talked about that. I mean, just the picture that is painted on the canvas 
of what the writer of Hebrews is saying is that it's heartbreaking. I mean, when a baby is born, so adorable. You know, we change our diapers, we, you know, they get nursed and on milk, and, you know, it's adorable. They're babies. Aww. But I'm not changing their diapers when they're 20. I'm sorry for the illustration, but I think you get the point, right? How heartbreaking would that be? That means they never matured. They never grew. Now, there are cases, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking in the physical sense, obviously. I'm talking in the spiritual sense. This need not be. It comes because there's no moving forward and leaving the basics. And Christians don't build upon them and move on from them. And in so doing, they forfeit the spiritual maturity as a result. Well, here's the second thing that is lost. Not salvation. Blessings. Blessings. Now, this is what we're going to spend the remainder of our time on together today, and I'll just kindly ask that you kind of hang in there with me. Again, I'll do my best on this. In addition to spiritual maturity, so too do we forfeit God's blessings. We lose the blessings, we don't lose our salvation. We lose out, we miss out on the promises of God, the blessings of God. That's what we lose. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. I hope it's not an oversimplification, but the writer of Hebrews is saying that Christians can forfeit of their own volition. This is on them. They forfeit and lose the blessings of God. How? Oh, by doing what the Israelites did at Kadesh Barnea when they lost the blessings of God in the promised land. We talked about this, I think it was back in chapter 3, maybe, maybe chapter 4. Let me just kind of give you the backstory here so you can fill in the blanks. So the Israelites are wandering in the desert. God has just delivered them out of slavery in Egypt, miraculously. To speak nothing of the ten plagues, how about after the Red Sea? Let's start with the Red Sea. I mean, so many miracles. God has delivered them. It's believed that it was about maybe two years into this, and they arrive at this place called Kadesh Barnea. It's right there on the promised land. In fact, you're right on the cusp of the promised land that God has promised to give you. And you can even see it. And so what do they do? Well, not so fast. God's like, you're here. Welcome. Aloha. Come on in. Here's the lay. Enjoy. And like, not so fast. We better check it out first. Better spy out the land. And it's interesting because they convinced Moses to do it. I believe, in all fairness, Moses was reluctant, but caved into them 
because of what had happened prior. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Hebrews with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard on today's broadcast. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you to grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Hebrews together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Oh,